The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Danny McCoy is with me first, though. He is the CEO of IBEC. Danny, a little bit earlier in the show, I was speaking to a couple of business owners about what they would like to see. Uh, most of their concerns are about energy prices. There are kind of longer term concerns are in housing availability and costs and wages and staffing. But energy, first and foremost, their concern. What do IBEC want to see the government do in the budget? Well, I think it's um, on the energy front, it is beginning to shape up to be uh, a significant shock to businesses as well as households. You know, that the the bills that businesses are now looking at are anything up to four times the cost they were last year. And for particularly small, medium enterprises exposed to the domestic uh, economy, this might be best described as the experience economy. That's kind of retail, hospitality and so on their margins won't be able to absorb that type of uh, cost increase on, on that single item that is energy because simultaneously the economy is still running rather hot out there and wage demands are still very high, you know. So energy and labour costs are the usually the two biggest ones for those type of businesses. So I think we're going to have to, as a society, put our thinking hats on again in the way we did with COVID. And the good news is relative to other jurisdictions, Ireland's in a much stronger position uh, going into this crisis globally. We're still seeing the public finances roaring ahead, mainly driven by those corporate tax revenues, which you know people rightly say can't be depended upon. But you can depend upon them; they're available now. Uh, and the prediction is that you know we could see corporate tax revenues being uh, over twenty billion at least this year. So against that backdrop, we may need to start thinking about how do we handle keeping businesses alive over the winter as well as keeping households intact. Um, targeting of those measures I think will be important. Not every business is going to require it. Every business will be impacted by the energy costs but they won't go into life or death situations and so I think that kind of triage is going to be required and I think there is a role for the social partners mm. as we saw around COVID uh, the Labour Employer Economic Forum where IBEC uh, you know CIF Chambers Commerce along the trade union and government I think there's a role here for us to say this is a crisis emerging for the winter right across in terms of the, the actual just sheer costs. Mm. There's another issue about actually getting the fuel and getting the electricity when we see blackouts but for the first Part of this, I think we need to say we may we may need to see some action like we did around COVID for keeping businesses alive. And what are the conversations you expect to have with the other social partners? Is it about reducing wage demands or dampening expectations? I think dampening expectations in a sense, look, we everybody realises in, in a full employment scenario that wage growth in the economy is a, is a natural outcome from that. But we're now looking at supercharged inflation where there's that kind of if you like, there's the, you know, the Russian invasion kind of premium. If we haven't ran out of gas, we just don't want to buy it from Putin. All right. It's not a, it's not a shortage of fossil fuels that we're experiencing globally. It's a decision uh, that we've collectively taken that we want, you know, that we're going to collectively suffer as a result of that decision. And it's worthwhile doing so to confront uh, that tyranny. But it is real cost. And so the notion that people get away being left intact is just not feasible and uh, in the attempts to try to do that you'll make the situation worse but clearly the, the labor market is clearing at wage rates in the order of four or five percent at least at the moment and so you know that's what's happening out in the market some some firms won't be able to pay that yeah going back to their margins being eroded by the energy costs and i think that's the sensitivity that we need to look at this in the round 
in a way we did with COVID to say, how do we get through this period of time? Now, this time around, we were we were certain, but of course we weren't right, that we thought COVID would go away fairly quickly. Yeah. It didn't. There is a danger that this may persist a lot longer than just this winter, but at least in the short term, we have some of the uh, firepower to handle it. What, what would you say, though, to you know union reps or employee groups, representative groups, listening to that, and they think, hold on, when Danny says that you know we need to be realistic and people can't emerge from this unscathed, what he's talking about is employees not emerging unscathed, but businesses emerging unscathed through government handouts. No, I think there will like businesses will uh, go into loss making. It's not to keep people intact in their profitability. Uh, we're talking about businesses that will actually fold now. You know, some of those businesses were unstable coming out of COVID, came blinking into the light. The thing I thought that would actually take them down and they thought they'd be taken down by was the lack of staff and the actual costs, not being able to get that productivity. But in addition to this, we now have got this massive energy crisis in terms of both its supply, in terms of actually getting it. But the actual cost is pretty certain now to be at least fourfold this winter in comparison to normal winters of the last number of years. So it, it, let's talk about specific measures and then use the phrase triage. What are the kind of the crisis measures you'd like to see put in place over the winter? What are the other measures you'd like to see that might help make businesses more sustainable from an energy point of view in the long run? Yeah, so look, we would, clearly we want demand management, right? So one of the things about demand management is if the business goes bust, they've no, no, no demand for energy, but that's a fairly draconian um, outcome. So that's what we're trying to avoid. So we want to keep businesses, and I'm talking about small, medium enterprises here intact, um, is that will they be able to afford those energy bills and stay viable? We're not talking about huge scale here, actually. You're talking about most companies will be talking about scales of you know a few thousand euros. Um, we showed that the economy was resilient throughout COVID. Like COVID cost about 30 billion euros to the state. Um, you know, kind of broke it down 10 to business, 10 to, you know, the pop into the households and 10 to the health system. Um, the economy managed to sustain that remarkably. And we're still in those same conditions right now. So we, we're not going to be able to keep everybody intact. There will be pain this winter, but we don't need a kind of hands off, let the market decide on this particular one because we're not actually in market conditions here. We made an active decision not to buy our fuel from a particular jurisdiction. It's not just normal market economics. You, you, you can't claim to be a kind of a freewheeling, kind of laissez-faire, uh, free marketeer and, and then decide not to buy your well, fuel. Well, in that case, Putin. you just buy it from every despot, right? So yeah. you're actually trying to show some principles here um, yeah. and be supportive of the Ukrainian people, which I think is the right thing to do. It will cost us. It is costing us to do that. But... It's a price we believe collectively, I think, at this point is worth paying. And have you a view as to how we should pay that price? You know, different jurisdictions do different things in, in kind of the Iberian Peninsula that they're subsidising gas companies in other parts of Europe. They're kind of refiring uh, uh, old fossil fuel plants. So they're using public money to do it. You know, here they've kind of given people individuals. I know you're not representing individuals, more businesses, but kind of uh, uh, rebates on their bills. Has IBEC a view on how they want that money to be spent? I think that's a kind of discussion point to have with the government, the trade unions and, and whoever. But look, it, it appears to me from, from what I know, reaching back into my economics here, right, is that we're not talking about trying to deal with the supply issues here. We're trying to keep businesses and households, particularly those who need it most, 
intact over what's going to be a fairly vicious winter. So that will be where the government steps in and basically gives income supports rather than trying to fix the prices. The prices will go where they will as a result of scarcity and those higher prices should get people to reduce their demand to help this. It's not to say we will compensate you for the higher prices and you just keep consuming as much energy as you like. Mm. People have to react to ration that demand. Prices is a good signal to do that. But where there is distress... There should be targeted uh, reliefs. And we got those targeted reliefs even to businesses during COVID. We just need to make the same kind of model at work here. And the resources are there, uh, as you say, largely off the back of all of those corporate tax receipts. There are others who would suggest you could increase that pool of available resources by imposing a windfall tax as well on energy companies. Look, th- th- that may well be part of the mix and that might be one of the part of the kind of the social license. But we also... And this is crucial for the budget. We also have long-term aims here that we need to move to better security of supply and sustainability. So energy companies actually need the, that capital mm. to actually, you know, do the transition. Um, we just have to take the. Hopefully, we're dealing with temporary factors on the Ukraine. We keep hoping um, that we will get some resolve in, in a short term, and that would be a, that aspect would be temporary. We will be able to go back into a much more normalised energy model. But we do need to move to this zero carbon or low carbon transition world. So those energy companies need those resources to make that transition. Zero and low are very different things. You know, and, and advocates of low would suggest we need liquefied natural gas terminals. Absolutely. We'd be supportive of the LNG model, in fact, have been uh, down, tr- down through the years. You know, we, we, need, to, uh, we need to ensure that in going to this low transition, fossil fuels will form part of that transition. Uh, it is just Narnia to think that we, you know, it's great to say there's great wind energy out in the Atlantic Ocean. We've lots of steps to go forward to actually get to that point. And that's why we need to keep the signals there for that long-term investment. But in the short term this winter, it, what a tragedy it would be to have great public finances, huge surpluses uh, reporting mm. next year, and lots of businesses gone out of business over the winter as a result of not actually putting that money to work. How concerned are your members about the possibility of a lack of energy, a lack of electricity and blackouts and being told to turn off the lights this week? Well, winter? I think the confidence is, is kind of rattled, obviously, in, in what's been happening between the regulator um, in terms of the auctions that, you know, there's no, there's no supply coming on and some of the supply that was committed to actually hasn't been delivered. So mm. clearly we, we've got caught up in a kind of a process here, which is, you know, not actually... Uh, delivered for us and so I think you know Dermot McCarthy is doing that investigation on what's going on but at the but in the short term um, I think there is quite a fear that we will see some rationing over the, over the winter and how badly does that damage the reputation of Ireland Inc well I, look it doesn't help but this is a kind of a symmetrical in the sense that this is not unique to Ireland mm. um, and in other societies their demand is going to get depressed a lot more than ours because they're going into a bigger recession. And I think that's what we've got. You know, there's a recession coming. There's no doubt there's a recession coming. It's, it's a question of the scale of it. In the Irish case, it may be a different kind of recession. It might be quite imperfect. We might not all experience it together. And as I said, that's why those indigenous domestic businesses... They're not all recessions. Well, it, it can be, but the kind of shock in, you know, in terms of big and small can often um, have the same kind of impacts... We're talking about here some households have savings, some don't. We'd like to get to the households that don't have savings. Those who have savings can dip into it to get themselves through. Again, that'll be unpopular with people. Nobody wants to 
pay for what is a grudge purchase. We don't like buying energy. You know, we want to do nicer things, go on holidays, eat out. Uh, the energy bill will simultaneously, for those small businesses in the experience economy, take some of the spending power away from the households, as well as increase their costs. That's a pincer movement on a particular sector. And I think, you know, we're not talking about all businesses here. These are targeted response I'm talking about. All right. Well, listen, uh, before I let you go, just uh, one question on the other, I suppose, a budget kite that has been uh, flying uh, highly over recent weeks. And it's the suggestion of a, a third tax band or a widening of the tax bands. Yeah, look, that's it's a good idea that in terms of people hitting the marginal rates that they kind of go through the phases. But what we really are lacking is having a wide income tax base. We still have a situation, I was on the Commission on Taxation nearly 15 years ago. Uh, we haven't actually widened that income tax base. It's still pretty much the same proportion, 40% of people. Too many people earning money and not paying any tax. Yeah, legitimately, by the rules we have. There are yeah. lots of people out there possibly not paying taxes at the moment uh, in the cashy. Um, cash is king. I did say that economy. at the start of the show. Um, but yeah, look, it would be good to reduce the marginal tax rate that people on average incomes rise. But the real problem is not enough people are actually in the income tax system to start with. All right. I wasn't advocating people don't pay tax at the start of the show. I should uh, hasten to add. I was talking about the the cash machine. And if you stay listening to The Hard Shoulder after six o'clock, I'll let you know how much is up for grabs, the most we've ever given away. Danny McCoy, the CEO of IBEC. Danny, thanks a million for joining us here in studio. After the break, though, we are going to be talking about Capel Street, apparently one of the coolest thoroughfares in the world. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.